0: scummy why are you an asshole i think i might have said this like once or twice before i don't know my We are the one. Who don't know what we're fighting for Give us a gun and send us all off to war A badge, so they could send us to the.
1: episode of I'm No Joe, your home for all things combat sports, and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel a thin drop. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them. no one else. If we say it, then we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. If it's Thursday, there's probably been another mass shooting in the United States. Unfortunately, that was supposed to be a joke when I wrote it the other day, and sadly, if you followed the news, we've actually had another one today so i i wish i could honestly say our thoughts and prayers go out but i i can't because this is fucking disgusting and i i genuinely feel for the people involved but that's a topic for another episode so sorry to start off so grim but if it's thursday it is indeed i'm no joe so welcome ladies and gentlemen boys and girls somberly to the i'm no joe podcast the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like eddie bravo uh Today, as like most days, I have got the one and only Golf T-Vapes himself across from the Octagon from me this evening. Uh, We may have some more folks folks joining in as the show goes on. Sorry, this is live, and as you can kind of guess, that intro fucked my brain up a little bit, as did reading the reason for it fucking my brain up, so uh, sorry in advance. The show might be a little weird, because that's fucking strange to read as you're getting ready to start a podcast, but... uh, that being said, we're going to do the damn thing. So, Golfy, I know you haven't been feeling the greatest, but how the fuck you doing right this particular moment, brother?
0: I like absolute dog shit, but I'm here to talk kicky Punchies because, you know, even feeling under the weather, and going to stop that because, you know, at least we've got a couple of, I'll say, decent fights on the card considering it's a double whammy on the front of titles, possibly changing hands, and then... Right. There is obviously now that Dana has put it out there, a winner gets shot at the title match going on there, too. So For sure, there's yeah. a lot of interesting shit. The rest of the card is all, in my opinion, a whole bunch of fluff. But hey, you know, at least we've got three or four good fights on the card.
1: I'm right. I'm right the fuck there with you. I absolutely agree 100 um, percent. So. That being said, uh, we will jump right in here as we like to do around here. We will start with a little bit of a quick recap from last weekend's punchy kicky interestingness that we had before we dive into this weekend. Um, Real quick, I want to start off by doing just a tiniest of tiny little recaps uh, for Icon FC3. For those of you who might have missed it. I I am telling you right now, there are two matches on that card that are absolutely worth your time to go back and watch. The first of which being the pro debut of Lydia Warren. Holy fucking shit both of those ladies were making their pro debut but had known of each other and had crossed paths but never actually fought before so there was already a little bit of behind the scenes tension but Lydia Warren came in just looking calm cool and composed like she had done this a million fucking times was able to stay focused keep the fucking pressure on and just look like an absolute stud in her professional debut that fight was fucking spectacular but the other one the one that we've been telling you about for mm, a month and a half or so that was worth your fucking time to tune into, well, guess what, boys and girls, we were not wrong. We, Babe Ruth, that motherfucker right out of the park because Bo Nickel came in and as one of the most highly touted wrestlers and grapplers and submission practitioners making his professional MMA debut last weekend he ended up walking out with one of the fastest knockouts in fucking icon FC history now granted this is their third event so take that with a grain of salt but that being said The wrestler that everyone said, don't let him take you to the ground, came out and showed beautiful fucking striking. And he used his hands to put his fucking opponent to sleep in his pro debut. So it's a beautiful, I believe it's a a minute and 26 seconds is what they call the entire thing, I believe. So it's literally just going to take you about five minutes or so to watch all of the highlights from the fucking ladies match. And all of the bone nickel match, if you're interested. Less than 10 for the whole kit and caboodle, but uh, Icon FC, other than that, not really a great card. But those two event or those two fights on that card as, as a representative for that event, worth the 10 minutes, in my opinion.
2: Now, that being
1: said, that UFC card, though. Um right off the bat uh, we said we were very interested in those ladies there's good reason for that Erin Blanchfield I will say came out a little fucking sloppy left a lot to be desired in her initial showiness coming out there was definitely a little bit of ego in play but she managed to stay focused and when JJ fucked up she capitalized in fucking dominant fashion so uh, hats the fuck off to Erin Blanchfield. The fact that she then turned around and said that she thinks that she's going to be the woman to dethrone Valentina. Oof, I mean, uh, you got the W, you got the submission over JJ, who was absolutely at one point in time a very highly touted prospect, but <clears throat> excuse me, to think that that performance indicates in any way that you're ready to dethrone Valentina uh, I'm. I almost wonder if one of them shots from J Day didn't land a little cleaner than we all thought it did because that sounds a little CTE-ish, sweetheart. Calm fuck down. Um, ask uh, Macy Barber what happens when you talk too big for your fucking britches when you first get into the UFC. That crash back down to reality hurts real fucking bad. So pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> um. I did not realize until Saturday Um, Andreas Mikulaitis was cutting down to welterweight for this fight for his first time professionally. He is another one of those fighters that started at 205, then made the move down to middleweight and then at fucking whatever decision in his camp made him think that he was ready to take a 170 pound fight. And he is not ready to take a 170 pound fight. Uh, he was definitely, definitely too fucking small uh, at 170 pounds. He sucked way too much out of himself and there just wasn't enough there. Not like he's a big middleweight to begin with, but he looked like a skeleton in the fucking ring at welterweight and it ended up actually making the goofy looking fucking dude that he was fighting against look that much better in my opinion, because he was able to just manhandle him and kind of throw him around and do what he wanted, even though nothing he did was very impressive or very dominant. And the crowd rightfully got a little buoy during that fucking match. So, um, now, to be fair, uh, we'll come back to talk about the results of shitting the bed on a big fucking stage like that for Michaelaitis here in just a little bit. But uh, good on Renat. Uh, he got himself a fucking W in his UFC debut. So good on you there. Um, the first what the fuck happened of, of the card big time Uh, in that Molina versus Zuma Gulau fight. Um, It was absolutely a a very close back and forth battle. I I will admit that in my, for my money, definitely a lot better than it was given credit. Um, But this is one of the things that we complain about as fans who pay real close attention to the fights like this. The scorecards came in 29, 28 Molina, 28, 29, Zuma Gulov, and then 30-27 for Molina.
2: A point difference,
1: understandable from different perspectives around the the cage. For someone to see it 29-28 one way, 29-28 the other way, and then one judge out of nowhere to see it as a clear 10-9-3 round and nothing, 30-27 victory? This is why you're now even starting to hear fighters and coaches say that it's time that we make judges justify their scores in situations like this. Don't just turn in numbers. Why are you giving those numbers? Because some of these guys, not to say that the fans know by any stretch of the imagination, because the average fan, even some of the hardcore fans genuinely don't understand honest scoring credentials. But some of these judges we're seeing also clearly don't understand the scoring credentials when we've got a situation like this resulting in a split decision, to be fair. Molina got it and Molina earned it. Uh, I thought that he had that fight 30-27 across the board, but it was close enough. I could have seen it 29-28s going back and forth for a split. What I don't think anyone agreed with was a 30-27 and a pair of back and forth
2: (laughs) 29s. Infuriating, infuriating on the judging side of things. Um,
1: I don't know if it's an official record with the UFC. I think it fucking should be, though. Um, Tony Gravely landed what I will argue until I'm shown proof otherwise was the shortest hook uppercut ever landed in the ufc resulting in a knockout at a minute eight seconds it took them three different angles of replay to see what he was telling them he knew he threw because they didn't think that it was what he threw and then when they get to the third replay angle you can see he literally fucking bruce lee one inch punch lands the shortest hook uppercut right on Johnny Munoz's chin and his brain goes, what? And his whole fucking body shuts down and hard reboots in real time in the fucking ring. And I credit where credit is due. Johnny tried to fucking play it off, but no, 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 no. There there was no playing that one down. Tony landed that motherfucker so precise and so clean with so much power that it fucking hard rooted <laughs> Munoz in the ring. Just fucking beautiful, in my opinion. <sighs> Unfortunately, uh, the next match, again, uh, will have deeper repercussions than I think anyone realized going into it. Uh, Nicholas Stoltz coming in against Benoit Saint-Denis, uh, when we last saw Saint Denis, that motherfucker was telling everybody, pay attention because he's ready to let loose. He was not bullshitting. Um, he ate a couple shots early. He, he was a little chinny in the beginning of the round. I'm not going to lie. Uh He came in, uh, much like a lot of fighters we seem to see on last week's card, a little bit high on their own supply, kind of smelling what they were selling a little too much, if you know what I mean. Uh, and he definitely ate a lot more shots early than he should have than he needed to. Uh, but once he kind of reeled it back in and got his fucking ego in check and started actually being smart and focusing on the goddamn fight, he, he did pretty goddamn good work. And when he took control and sank that fucking choke in, it, it, you almost felt bad for Stolze in that moment because you could see how fucking hard that fucking yank lined out and just, oof. And then, again, we'll we'll come back and, and mention this because this fight inadvertently had deeper consequences than we thought it was going to. I think anybody thought it was gonna, uh, once we get there as well. Uh, that being said, that will bring us to, uh, the roofer that disappears at lunchtime and comes back with a W for fucking sake. Um, Damon Jackson performed his human backpack cosplay last weekend on poor Dan Argueta. Um, He spent, I think they said, almost nine minutes of a 15-minute fight literally on Daniel's back, like with the hooks in, in backpack mode. At one point, Argueta didn't even fight it anymore. He just literally leaned back against the cage so that he was leaning against Jackson, and Jackson was getting mashed against the cage to kind of balance the leverage out on it so it wasn't cooking his legs as much. Uh, Just a weird goddamn fight that was basically jackson's entire game plan get on dan's back and stay there not really threaten too much but just stay there and he did and to his credit they gave him the decision victory for it but i i don't really know if that's anything you can brag about like honestly that that was pretty shitty in my opinion um not that Argueta was doing a whole lot to really stop it or break out. He definitely still clearly needs some work as well, but this was him making his UFC debut after bouncing out of tough into the local scene again. So he's supposed to look like that in that fight. Damon Jackson, being the quote unquote UFC veteran here to test him should have done more in my opinion, and just did not so. Make sure your trucks are locked when you get to work and you don't keep any pills in your work
2: truck. Um,
1: that being said, this will bring us to the moment that I literally had to write down in my notes live during the fight to make a point to fucking remind myself to talk about it here. Because I want to take just a second, aside from the fight, to give Chris Tyone props for seeing what was happening. And despite him still for some fucking reason, giving, I don't know, maybe 27 hard warnings before he did. So he did take a point during the fight from Alex Da Silva, while the fight progressed without stopping it so that Joe Selecki didn't lose the position, but, De Silva still lost a fucking point.
2: Your fucking pen across the room when I did that. I like the way that was done. Um, we
1: saw, I think it was about a month ago. Uh, I think it was uh, Mark Smith who did it. Uh, stopped the fight against the cage, took a point, and then took the position away as well because the guy was fucking grabbing the fence. Um, I like when these referees are making in the moment calls where a fence grab loses you the position because it was saving you from getting your ass taken down. And then in the opposite situation where you're hooking your feet into the cage to try and stop a dude from manhandling you, you lose a point for using your fucking feet in the cage after getting worn 34 goddamn times. But He doesn't take that position away because you're locked the fuck up and homeboy has you all kinds of tarantula fucking deep and you're not getting out of it that easily. I appreciate that referees are starting to differentiate much like they do in submission grappling or jujitsu matches when or when not to take the position away as well as impact the scorecard based on the behavior taking place in the fight like that. That being said, again, Joe Selecki could have given a little more, in my opinion, could have put a little bit more output out there and probably could have finished the goddamn fight. But still, a pretty good performance. I'm Honestly, still a little salty from the fucking Jim Miller fight. But like I say, credit where credit is due, regardless of how you feel about somebody. So if he continues to do well and he continues to be a decent human being, like we got to see him on uh, BTL this afternoon, i i might lose a little bit of that salt but that being said fuck alex da silva but again this is yet another one you guys will catch a little bit of a trend here uh where this fight and your douchebag antics in that fight have deeper repercussions than maybe even the fighters themselves thought they would um and that brings us to that premier prelim fight, the rematch. What was it? Five years in the making, I believe. Um,
2: Karolina Kovalkiewicz. <sighs> Talk
1: about pulling out the stops, knowing that it's shit or get off the pot moment and just giving that diaphragm. <laughs> She gave it the old fucking what for. And to be fair, she said immediately afterwards and confirmed it in several interviews since that she went into that fight knowing that if she lost, that's that's her. She's getting cut from the UFC and she's going to have to retire because at that point, free agency just isn't going to give her the money she would need to be able to keep doing this. And she said that motivated her. And you could fucking see it. You could absolutely fucking see it. And on the opposite side of that coin, you could see that Felice had not put the time in. Yes, she had taken time off, but she had not put the time in to get back to the shape you need to, to be able to compete even at unranked fucking levels in the UFC, because I love Carolina, but she's not even got a number next to her fucking name right now for very good reason. She was on a five fight skid coming into this fucking match and props to Felice for being determined to fucking come back despite several serious fucking injuries that would have gotten most people to walk away from the game to begin with. But there's a reason we say all the fucking time, if you don't think you can still compete, don't. There are other Avenues. she openly bragged about making a quarter million dollars from her only fans i don't understand that either make that money boo boo i don't understand it either but this is not a, a lady conor mcgregor situation where she's sleeping in silk sheets but still has the hunger for the fight game clearly because she didn't put the hours in and it showed we've seen in conor's performances yeah that fucking leg broke but Conor's putting the fucking miles in when he trains, he might sleep in silk sheets, but he still gets on the fucking Gucci mink bike and rides 35 fucking miles the next day. So you can't take that away from him. Felice was not doing that same fucking program and it showed and to her credit, when they officially read that decision, she announced right there that she was officially retiring from MMA as I completely agree that she should have in that situation. I honestly don't think she needed to catch that public ass whooping to know that she needed to hang them up. But if that was the icing she needed on the cake and the dot she needed at the end of that sentence, then I hope that it dries and she's happy with her performance.
2: That being said though, uh,
1: we went into it saying that, uh, even though we might not be the biggest Menafield fans, we were pulling for Team Alonzo after we found out that Askar mozarov had literally faked his own record to such an extent that he and several of his cohorts allegedly, allegedly made phone calls and threatening emails from burner accounts and burner phone numbers pretending to be Full Metal Dojo and other organizations that the media representatives they were contacting knew personally and knew for a fact could not be what these people were claiming it to be. So it, it was very, very interesting. Um, but Menafield exposed that motherfucker. He came in, he did work. And he got that motherfucker out of there with extreme prejudice in what they're calling four minutes and 40 seconds. Just.
2: One second here. Sorry. Just. To a message that I missed real quick. Um,
1: that being said, Ode Osborne with some of the cleanest fucking hands we have seen him produce to date. Just the cleanest fucking counter KO that he's ever fucking put up on highlight reel. In my opinion, here they called that a minute one, and I don't think it was a minute. I think that was after referees jumping in and a couple seconds taken away. That was a sub-one-minute knockout, in my opinion. Just looking like a fucking
2: million bucks. And then we get the ladies fight. We talked about this last week because
1: up until, I think it was about, an hour before the fight itself actually took place, they still didn't even have poor Karine Silva listed, not by name, not by picture, not by anything, on the official UFC website even. And then she came out and just fucking manhandled Pollyanna Botella. Uh, not that Botella's anything really to be afraid of, but she came out and fucking manhandled her way through it. So there was that. Uh, that being said, the People's Co Main event
2: Michael Trezano versus Lucas Almeida. Just a fucking back and forth war. But what
1: ironically turned out to be another running theme of the evening last weekend, and a understandable but very questionable. Stoppage. Uh, Lucas Almeida gets the TKO in round three in just about a minute there. Great back and forth fight, but man, that, there was questionable refereeing and questionable judging on display last Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, neither one of those came in to factor in the co main events uh, decision. Uh, Mozar Evlyov uh, just outworked Dan Ige. And to be fair, I-, I said it last week. If Ige didn't catch that fucking KO in round one, it was gonna be a real fucking long night for him. Well, guess what, boys and girls? Round one came and round one fucking went. Ige didn't get that 50k knockout, and it turned out to be a long 15 minutes for poor Danny boy. Yeah, not the most exciting fight, but Efliov just literally grappled the ever-loving fuck out of Danny Ige. And Ige had no fucking answer for it, no way to even remotely stop it. So, you know, what are you going to do? But uh, like I mentioned earlier, that will bring us to the main event where we got another understandable, but definitely questionable stoppage result. Uh, Alexander Volkov catching Jairzinho Rosenstroke up against the fence and absolutely rocking him. But, again, one of those situations where you can kind of see the argument for the fight being stopped, but at the same time, like, Biggie Boy never went out and immediately was arguing after the fight was fucking stopped. Um, I, I'm not going to say it was a robbery. It's It wasn't that devastating of a call because Volkov was landing serious shots and the momentum was physically shifting up against the cage and you were watching him beat the fuck out of Rosenstroke, It was going badly very quickly and had the referee not stopped it, my guess is two, maybe three more shots at that fucking caliber in that range at that momentum level already moving. And it would have been the end of the fight either fucking way. So I, I understand Rosen strikes contesting it because he didn't technically go out. On the other hand, we've seen much worse stoppages get much higher fucking praise from people because of the ass whooping that was taking place. Uh, so, you know, it, it was a stoppage. It, it's going to be controversial because nobody likes to get stopped. But that being said, it was understandable in my opinion. Rosenstreich just couldn't fucking defend himself anymore. Volkov was landing down fucking hammers. And at that point, how many of them do you let a guy fucking take? What's the, what's the point where we say, okay, he's getting his ass handed to him, but he didn't technically go to sleep. So let him eat seven more unanswered fucking 265-pound fists in his fucking face before we finally save this guy from his own fucking toughness here. That's what the referee's there to do. So at some point, we got to tip the hat and be like, yeah, no, he was getting his ass beat. Let's call that a fucking evening. I get it. I get, I get that there's controversy, but – I'm cool with it, man. <laughs> Excuse me. That being said, how goes it, sir? Pretty good. How you guys doing? Man? Not too shabby. Not too shabby
3: at all. Glad I was able to make it in this week.
1: Talk about the fucking pay-per-view card. Hell yeah. So we will jump into that here in just, just a few minutes here. Um, Wrapping up Saturday night, Um, we did, for some reason, the UFC decided they were going to actually do the right thing again, and they gave us two performance of the night bonuses and then a fight of the night. But, you know, because the UFC can't do anything fucking simple, uh, we got a fight of the night in a fight that had a stoppage, not that a fight went the whole fucking range for some goddamn reason. Um, And the fight of the – or the performance of the nights were – one good and one what the fuck are we talking about here uh fight of the night went to trezano versus almeida which they called that questionable stoppage we talked about earlier here good fight but not the best of the fucking card by any stretch in my amount or in my opinion rather and then performance of the night bonuses went to ode osborne which hey sub one minute counter-striking fucking ko knockout i get it give that man 50k no issues there My issue is when they give the other one to Kareem Silva, who absolutely looked like a fucking soup can, was fighting a fucking soup can, and didn't do anything that particularly fucking impressive on a card where we had much more impressive performances and much more impactful fights. So, you know, I get that you want to make your fucking newbie look cool and give her a fucking 50k bonus, but let her fucking earn it as well, you know? That being said, though, um, very, very short news week this week, actually, um, just a couple of actual fight announcements. And most of those literally came this afternoon. Um, the first one that we literally just got today, um, Askar Askarov is officially out of 277. Uh, they have got Alex Perez now taking on Alexandre Pantoja. So we will see if that fucking crazy spinny fuck can get in there and give Perez the business because it's still going down in Dallas at fucking 277 on July 30th. Um, not nearly as exciting of a fight, in my opinion, but still entertaining potentially. And I would not be mad at seeing Pantoja get knocked the fuck out. Not that I like Perez, but I'll root for him to knock Pantoja the fuck out. Um, we did, uh, I believe yesterday is when this one actually came out. We got some news about this weekend that I, I wish I could say it was surprising, uh, probably more disappointing than surprising. Uh, we got confirmation that for no good fucking reason, Rogan's out of 275. He's not going to Singapore to go do commentary. They're going to send Bisbing instead. So we get Bisbing, DC, and Anik with Megan O'Levy as backup. No fucking Sanko in mommy mode. No Rogan on the fucking mic to keep the other idiots entertaining. Like, I'm really concerned about what they're doing to the Singapore card. We'll talk a little more about that in a minute. But just... I figured at least they would give us like they did last time when Rogan quote-unquote conveniently wasn't going to be able to do a pay-per-view card because it had a scheduling conflict that popped up two days before they announced the date. Rogan wasn't
0: going to do it any his ways. When he restructured his contract, he said he was only doing stateside stuff. So That's no amazing. international. Yeah. Which I get it. That's part of your contract now. Fuck it. Why go to Singapore right. if you don't have to?
1: You know, the, the fact that they waited until midway through the week to confirm it, and Rogan never did anything knowing that people were kind of expecting it because it's a fucking pay-per-view, and it's the first time the UFC's ever been to Singapore, so it's an important pay-per-view for the organization at that, and then here we are fucking three days out, and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Rogan's not going. You guys get Bisping. Deal with it, fuckers. (laughs) You know, there is that. Um, I suppose there's a chance that could be entertaining. We'll we'll find out Saturday because Saturday actually is a, a late night time, somewhat normal feeling card again. So we'll we'll see when this weekend comes around. Um we got a lot of talking from Dana. Dana did a lot of fucking podcasts this week, which I think is fucking hilarious that Dana hates talking to fucking journalists, but he loves doing stupid fucking podcasts all the goddamn time and spill it all the beans to some dipshit in a fucking moldy room when he could have literally every fucking camera and microphone in the media world pointed right in front of him and get the word out legitimately. But you know, fucking Dana's going to do Dana things. Um, We got two different big announcements from Dana via fucking podcast this week. Um, The first one is that uh, if she wins Saturday night, Valentina 100% gets a shot at whoever wins between Pena and Nunez to go for her chance at double champ status of a net 35-pound division. He says, I'm 100% sold whatever she wants to do. If she wants to go up to 35, we'll let her get the title shot at 35. She wants to cut down and go fight Carla. We'll let her jump the line and go down and cut and fight Carla if she wants to fight Carla. Whatever the hell she wants to do, if she wins Saturday, I'm 100% co-signing on it. she gets a title shot, wherever she decides she wants to go play next. Or she wants to start doing crazy shit, she can do crazy shit. I'm 100% on board with whatever Valentina wants to do if she gets to win Saturday. So, straight from the horse's fucking mouth. And realistically, it's real good fucking chance it's going to go down like that. So we might have just gotten the first hat tip that Dana White is going to let Valentina go beat the dog shit out of fucking Pena or Nunez, whoever the fuck ends up with that strap. Because I think Valentina could be the fucking one of them at this point, really. But it, it's officially on interview. It's out there now. Dana's confirmed it since then. Valentina wins Saturday, she can do whatever the fuck she wants. She gets a shot wherever she decides she wants to go. She's clearly fucking earned that. So that I think was very fucking cool. Um, the other one that he said, I'm a little mixed on to say the least here. Um, somebody brought it up to him on another fucking podcast because Dana be doing Dana things this week. Um, and he said... He is quote-unquote officially sold on the idea of uh, Ultimate Fighter Season 31, Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov with no coaches fight at the end of the season leading into the precedent that would set of Fighters who are either aged out or retired fighters like GSP, perhaps who could then come in and be coaches to these young fighters who legitimately could learn in this situation from a coach who's got the experience and isn't also focusing on their own fucking fight that takes place after the show finale is done. Um, I, I think that this is a little too much mental masturbation with the woulda, coulda, shoulda, Tony versus Khabib shit. On the other hand, if they are going to keep it in that ex-fighter, retired fighter, aging out fighter, somebody who's hurt and is going to be on the sidelines because they just had their fucking knee operated on or something, uh, but could still come in on crutches and coach and talk to guys and bring in their assistants and work with them, things like that, I would absolutely be okay with that do I want to see Tony and Khabib be the first two to do it? That's where I get a little wishy-washy on it. But the fact that Dana said that he is sold (coughs) on them first to set that precedent, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm open to it. I'm not excited about it, but I'm open to it.
2: That being said... Um,
1: I know it's almost beach bod season, but the UFC be trimming the fat though. Uh, the UFC officially cut nine fighters in the last three days. Um, folks who got the ax were almost exclusively losers from last weekend's card for the most part here. Um, Luis Smoka, who we saw get his ass kicked just a couple of weeks ago and said was most likely going to be walking papers, sure the fuck was confirmed yesterday, them's walking papers. Uh, Felice Herrig, who retired in the ring Saturday night, ironically and kind of cruelly as well, also got released from her UFC contract after she retired. So even if she hadn't retired from fighting, she wasn't going to be doing it in the UFC anymore either way. A little cold-blooded, but I get it. Uh, Andreas Michalaitis, who we talked about earlier, just should not have cut down that fucking far. Uh, Cut his ass right out of the fucking UFC with that L as well. Uh, Frank Camacho, who we saw get the business just a couple weeks ago, is done getting the business under the UFC banner as of now because he got snipped the fuck out as well. Alex De Silva, the douchebag who couldn't keep his toes out of the goddamn fence and lost him a point because of it. (gasps) Also lost him a UFC contract. Good mood, dipshit. Um, The one that I don't understand out of this entire list of names, Tristan Connolly has officially been cut from the UFC. I understand that he had some ups and downs, but we have seen much worse fighters be given much better chances and much longer runs before they get cut. So it just, it, it kind of, Struck me as a little bit odd, but he's also one of the few in this list that I believe still genuinely has the potential to go back to an LFA or a regional circuit or something, kick a couple asses, take a couple names, and then get himself back to the UFC without too much trouble as well. That being said, um, TJ Laramie is on his way back up to Canadia because his ass is sorry, kicked out of the UFC. Tuck your tuke in and go, bruh. Uh Nicholas Stolza, who we talked about, came in looking hot, ended up not uh actually got himself an L and walking papers from this last weekend's fuck up. And then the one that we've been waiting for since we heard his dumbass popped hot for usada Once again, Felipe Calaris has officially been released from his UFC contract as well. Goodbye. Good riddance. Go fuck yourself. That being said. The two actual fight announcements, like genuine these are a fight that were put together to be this fight announcements that we got this week, are what I'm going to wrap the news segment up here with. The first one, I'm very interested in for a number of fucking reasons. Adriano Morais versus DJ Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson to the runback is officially taking place August 26th as the main event on 1FC's first-ever Amazon Prime card that's right they are doing a card exclusively on amazon prime so the run back the fact that dj lost that match originally by a soccer kick to the fucking head after talking about how happy he was that algermain sterling got fucking kicked in the head and made fun of for it the fact that they're running it back they're making it the fucking main event it's going to be on amazon fucking prime I think that one FC is doing everything fucking right to market that match and make it what it should genuinely fucking be. But the literal last minute announcement, just I shit you not came down the pipe. What did we say TJ? Like seven o'clock, six 30 this afternoon, like literally within the last couple hours, hours yeah. came down the fucking pipe here. I would say arguably the biggest news of the week so far, hands down in my opinion. Uh, Now officially confirmed by multiple sources on both sides as well. Um, The closest we may in our lifetime come to seeing a true cross promotional UFC versus Bellator matchup, it's officially been booked August 20th in London, BKFC 27 will officially be headlined by Michael Venom Page versus Aluminum Mike Perry in fucking bare knuckles. Contracts are signed. It is all fucking confirmed. BKFC has done what Bellator couldn't do in three times around. And that is put MVP in a main event in London and let him sell a million fucking tickets. Guess what? They let him take the gloves off and BKFC put him on the promotion. That motherfucker went crazy. It broke the MMA internet for about an hour and a half this afternoon when that came out. I literally watched it interrupt live MMA news, like completely disrupt the whole fucking rhythm of live shows that were taking place when it came down the pipe. I'm not fucking joking. Um, this is one of the genuinely most Interesting matchups we have seen put together in a hot fucking minute here. And like I said, this is the closest we might ever genuinely get to a UFC versus Bellator crossover. Oddly enough, it's taking place bare fucking knuckle and MVP, the quote unquote top contender over in Bellator is awfully fucking brave, in my opinion, legitimately for taking the fucking gloves off and risking his already controversially fragile fucking hands with no gloves now, just fucking wrist wraps against Mike Perry, who we know for a fact has a skull made out of fucking stone. That granite-skulled son of a bitch is not easy to hit, and he can and has leaned into a punch to make you crack that fucking monkey dome of his. Like, he'll let you get it right there. He'll let you get it all fucking night. Hurt your fucking hands, and he'll keep walking in your face for it, so... I'm fucking here for it. It That's a crazy fucking weekend. I think they said that that's one of the weekends where we have every major organization putting a card on that weekend as well. So on top of all the fucking craziness, we're going to get MVP versus Mike fucking Perry bare knuckle on top of all that that weekend. I'm fucking here for it, dude. I'm fucking here for it. <laughs> So that being said, that will bring us to our marquee namesake, if you will. The reason for the season, the name on the episode here, UFC 275 Tajira versus Prohaska taking place live from Singapore Indoor Stadium in Singapore, Singapore. <laughs> um, I don't really understand how the fuck it worked out so well but it just happened to do that uh we're back to a i won't say traditional but uh what we're more accustomed to of a later saturday start for this ufc pay-per-view event uh early prelims kicking off 5:30 central time us here uh despite them being over in singapore that starts our main card at 9 p.m. Central Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard, boys and girls, we are back to a what we're more accustomed to of a late Saturday card again after what was an insultingly early card the other day uh, on that fucking stupid 9 a.m. starting fucking prelim card that we had before, but... Getting into our 275 here. Uh, like I said, this is a Singapore pay-per-view, in my opinion, here. Um, main card, not bad. Uh, understandably, they they put predominantly the biggest fights on the main card. But this one, I kind of feel like they really dropped the ball on the, the prelim, both the prelims and the early prelims. There's a couple on the the prelims themselves, but the early prelims aside from being opened by Jocelyn Edwards, who is uh, one of the main training partners for Valentina Shevchenko, there really isn't honestly a whole lot of interest on that early prelim card at all. And Even in Jocelyn Edwards' fight, Ramona Pasquale isn't that threatening. They're both still fairly new on their way through the UFC, so... Nothing really that terribly entertaining, in my opinion, on that early prelim card. Um, the prelim card itself, though, again not world breakers, but there's a little more interest in there. Uh, half the po- half the card, rather, at least has me paying attention. Uh, the Brandon Allen versus Jacob Malkoon fight. I'm very interested in how the fuck that shakes loose. I don't know what Brandon Allen is going to show up, but we know how Jacob Malkoon plans to get through him. So Malkoon being Robert Whitaker's you know, main training partner and uh, another representative of their gym as well always out to make a statement but we've seen him be hit and miss literally as well uh more often than not brandon allen is just mr inconsistent for the most part though he seems to have it pulled together a little more lately uh i'm i'm just curious to see how those two can finally fucking shake loose the one that i genuinely am interested in though, the one thing Prior to the main card that has any of my genuine 100% focus is the first fight on the actual prelims, though. The man who said he was going to make it happen, and he (laughs) did, Andre Thelio versus Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews is no walk in the park for anybody. Now we're talking about a guy coming back on a short turnaround granted he didn't take much fucking damage in his last fight when he was out there so i understand that he was still probably in pretty good shape and fairly ready to go but he also just made weight and put on that adrenaline dump just a couple weeks ago so we have seen that play to both sides of the advantage here jake matthews isn't going to give you a whole lot of room to fuck up i'm kind of curious how it fucking shakes loose
3: i'm excited for both of those fights i think uh the Fiallo fight and matthews fight that's going to be a good way to start the prelims I, feel, I agree with the early prelims it's three sleepers and hopefully hopefully we'll see something good you know that'll that'll be the time the pregame, have a couple beers a couple dabs, we can grab something to eat you know but yeah, yeah. Once Fiallo and Matthews gets going, I feel like that'll be a good fight because, like you said, I feel like it'll be a good test for Fiallo. He just came off the of 274. He's only been a month since he fought. He's he not fighting a scrub this time. So it, the biggest thing, go get another first round knockout finish. It really, you know, puts puts him in a different spot. You, you got to give him somebody up there in the contention. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If he does it on the turnaround this fucking quick, pay-per-view to fucking pay-per-view, literally, and then gets himself another first round, I mean, that boy is, represent- that boy is representing Sanford real fucking strong right now. We've been saying for a hot minute that those boys out at Deerfield Beach don't fuck around. Henry Hoof gave nothing to fucking shake a stick at, dude. And Andre Falio seems to be one of the fucking latest and brightest fucking stars represented for that goddamn gym, so... I'll tune in. This is sure his I'm fourth going. fight this year, right? Yeah, this is going to be his fourth fight this year. He's it's getting crazy.
2: It, He's fucking crazy. <laughs> <it. laughs>
1: now, to be fair, I'm not genuinely excited, but I am going to tune in to the quote-unquote premier prelim fight here. Uh, Sungwoo Choi is one of those dudes that He doesn't, like, there is no gray area with him. Either he shows up and he looks like he's the kid in the middle of left field chasing butterflies, or he shows up and he's twisted the knob to 11, broken it off and thrown it at the fucking referee before the bell rings. Like, there is no gray area with this dude. He either brings it or he's fucking Eeyore the whole goddamn time. And I'm not so much excited to see the fight. I'm just curious to see which Sung sungwoo choi we get in this fight because josh kalibao he's not a world breaker but for a little dude he packs a fucking wallop he's one of those tiny ice cream shaped fellows where the majority of his muscles in his goddamn shoulder so if he leans in and lands one on you and you're fucking around he can end your fucking evening real quick so it, it could get interesting it could get not that i think it will but if you prepare for it yeah, not to be, get, and it get, does, do we
3: get the version of them that knocked out Julian Arosa? Exactly. or do we get the version of them that was subbed out by Alex Carcass? Yeah, you know, like,
1: yeah, the one that was right choked out, or do we get the guy that knocked out Juicy J?
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and which one are you fucking? Get? <laughs> I agree with you on that. Yeah, hopefully, it, like that's how I always feel about all the fights. Luckily, you know, a few of the fights on the prelims this week, I actually knew some of the fighters. Some of them I had to look into, you know, do some notes on them, obviously. And uh, I'm just always trying to be optimistic and hope, You know, as a fight fan, you want to see good fights. But there's literally, like you said, there's maybe three, hopefully four out of these seven on the prelims that, you know, will be good fights, hopefully we get at least five. <laughs> right. We really have it going into the main card. If like five of them wind up going to finish or really good fights, and just a couple, couple of duds. Everything on the main card, I feel like the first couple will definitely be good, and then the last few will be really good. And could potentially right. be great fights. Yeah. Right.
1: So that'll bring us right into it, Uh, the meat and potatoes of the meat and potatoes here in our meat and potatoes section here, Uh, starting right off with the little fucking frylets up at the tippity top here. One of the most fucking talked about up and coming fucking prospects from from down under right now, Jack Dela Magdalena, Um, just coming up like a fucking thunderstorm right now. Uh, Not that I Amiib mean, is anything he really needs to be too terribly concerned about. It's kind of a tee-up fucking softball fight, in my opinion here. They really want Madalena to come in and just fucking knock him right out of the goddamn park and look like a fucking stud to kick off the fight. That's what this fight looks like to me. Uh, always a puncher's chance, as they fucking say, but in this situation, I think, Jack's really the better puncher, too, so even then, it's not so much of a great fucking chance if you're on me this weekend, but, you know, stranger things have happened. There's no fucking guarantee, but if I fucking had, if I had to fucking pick under my head, I sure the fuck wouldn't put it on a meme unless I had some real handy inside information. (laughs) That being said, though, I'm I almost feel bad for being excited uh, for the second fight on the main card here. Not because I'm really excited for the fight itself. Uh, I honestly could give two fucks less about Rogerio Bontorin or Manel Cape, but the fact that we got confirmation this week, last week rather uh, that he has officially pulsed twice since being in the USADA pool for the same exact fucking M3 metabolite that John Jones pulsed for and is being allowed to continue to fight because his pulsed confirmation is still under the picogram threshold. But that being said, there's only one fucking way you get that M3 metabolite in your body. And that's from taking the fucking steroid that breaks down into it. So whether you like it or not, at some point, you fucking juiced, pal, and you got caught coming down off of it. You were low enough, you're not going to get punished, but you still got fucking caught. And then this prick had the balls to go to his fucking press conference at media day and talk shit about how he's under the peak of level. There's nothing anybody can fucking say or do about it. They just got to move on and look forward. Fuck. You Now I hope Bontorin knocks you the fuck out, you loudmouth dipshit. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Kids these days, I tell you. Bontorin's not a world breaker. He's, he's not the strongest dude on the goddamn roster by any stretch of the imagination. But he's also no fucking slouch. When he shows up and he's on fucking money, he's on the fucking money. We have yet to see Manel Cape really do anything of substance since he's come over to the UFC aside from pissing hot and talking a lot of shit. Um, he's got some stoppages. He's got some wins, but nothing really impressive. Nothing that really makes me think he's going to be able to come out here and just walk through Rogerio like he seems to think that he's going to be able to. So I'm almost more interested in watching this fight to see hopefully Bonturin just bitch slap that motherfucker around for 15 minutes than anything else, honestly.
0: The only way Manel Cape wins this fight is if he knocks Bunturin out in the first round. If it goes past the first round, Bunturin takes him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which, honestly, if if he can get that first round fucking KO, hey, I ain't shit anybody could fucking say at that point. But I, I don't have a whole lot of fucking faith in the realism of that possibility coming true either, so... <laughs> not that I am fucking on that bone tureen fucking bandwagon by any stretch of the imagination, but if you put me between a turd sandwich and a fucking douche, gotta make a choice. <laughs> might not like it, but I'm gonna make a fucking choice
2: these days.
1: <sighs> but luckily, that's gonna bring us to one of the strongest people's co-main events we have seen in a hot fucking minute, in my opinion, Uh, one of the few genuinely warranted and asked for rematches. The UFC has put together in a hot minute while it's still relevant as a rematch, which makes it even fucking crazier. Uh, Wiley Zhang versus Ioana Jacek. Uh, Now, to be fair, they are running this as a three-round fight and confirmed by Dana White this week, whoever wins, which either one of them wins, will get the next shot at Carlos Sparza for the title. Why they then didn't make this a five-round fight, but we could see all sorts of other stupid fucking Diaz five-round fights and shit when they were people's co-main events, I don't understand. But, you know, hey, Dana White going to do what Dana White going to do. I am excited to see that this is going to be a rematch, but in, in watching Embedded Series and watching that fight back again, and uh, in, in doing more research, getting ready for this weekend coming up, I, I was gleefully reminded that while Joanna did not get completely one-way trafficked in that fight, she absolutely did land some notable shots in that fight. She didn't win that fight. She absolutely did not win that fight. Anyone that thinks she did is as delusional as her fucking cornerman was. Uh, but she did land significant and fucking notable shots in that fight. The issue is that for the most part, all or predominantly the bulk of her significant and, and serious strikes that she landed in that fight took place in rounds four and five, when she already had a fucking hot air balloon of blood showing up on her forehead, looking more like a Ferengi than a fucking Polak. Um, She did land strikes, but it was so fucking late in the fight that she finally pulled the trigger and landed those strikes. She's not going to get that chance again now that they're only fighting for three rounds. Wiley Zhang dominated the first three rounds of that fight and noticeably started to fade a little bit in four and five, where Joanna clearly picked up the pace and had the gas tank to fucking hold the pace steady for round four and five where she started to genuinely do work not enough to win the fight but did work you ain't got those extra rounds sweetheart you ain't got that extra 10 minutes this time and if you can't put your foot down on the fucking pedal and do that work from the beginning I don't think you get the chance Wiley Zhang aside from being clearly physically bigger and stronger than Joanna, is a hell of a wrestler a hell of a wrestler and where has she been for the last two years since their last fight oh that's right fight ready in Arizona with Henry Cejudo and a whole fucking gym full of wrestlers making sure that her wrestling is on point in MMA wrestling which she's already pretty fucking great at and then you look at Joanna. where has Joanna been for the last two years since they fought oh that's right uh, she took eight months off because she didn't feel like doing MMA for a while. She took six months off because she wanted to just go beach hopping and quote unquote live her best life. Uh, she took six months and started up a couple businesses. She took six months and did some tourism for the UFC, did some promotional shit. But for the most part, she's been moving and shaking and not in the goddamn gym for two fucking calendar years she willingly let herself get removed from the official rankings because she had not competed in so fucking long and has openly said that for a while she just didn't feel like mma and didn't do it for a while meanwhile miley's been in the cage three times since they fought last granted two of those were on the losing end of the fucking rose nami yunez fiascos but She's still been in the cage and working and in camp grinding and working while Joanna's been out globe trotting, jet setting, and gallivanting. And you know, there is something to be said of once you get to a certain level, the muscle memory is there and you just have to fine tune it. But there's also something to be said that when you take two years off, you can get Felice Herring real fucking easy. I'm not saying Wiley's gonna knock her the fuck out easily. I'm saying I kind of think Wiley's going to knock her the fuck out easily. Uh, Joanna is kind of the definition of got a puncher's chance, but Wiley punches harder, cleaner. I don't know, man. I I got a real hard time seeing Joanna taking this fight, especially since it's three rounds. If it was five rounds, I would think that there would be a genuine better chance, but pushing it back to three. I don't know, boys. What do you guys think about this one?
2: Dude,
0: it's. Look, I'll say this When I made my picks, this was my one upset pick that I made not Because I didn't see the odds the same way Vegas does I see Wiley as the fucking much larger favorite over But I did pick Joanna For this reason Sometimes you need to just clear, get out of your own fucking head Because she was not doing well in her last four or five fights that she's had maybe she needed that time away to regather her shit and get herself back together. Similar to like a Misha Tate type situation where she kind of walked away for a while because she wasn't fucking fully focused. And coming back, that's where I pick her. At. Not to mention my thought in this is They don't have five rounds, so this is going to be a a fucking barn burner from the get-go. So it's going to be a way faster pickup than the last fight was. Not that the last fight was fucking slow by any means, but it's going to be way quicker in three rounds. I think Joanna can possibly get her in three rounds. Do I think it's going to happen? No, just because of the time off, but maybe the time off is what she needed, and that's where we'll see that fucking, oh, shit. She did need that two years off going beach and fucking shaking her ass all over or whatever the fuck she was doing. God only knows. But um, I still think we're going to get one hell of a barn burner. And to be honest, out of all the fights on the card, this one is the one that I say has fight of the night written all over it.
3: Yeah, I agree. I'm the most excited about this fight. Getting to see the rematch of this. I mean, as much as I wished, that Dana would have made it a five-round fight, I kind of feel that same way. With it being a three-rounder, it's going to make the both of them like light a fire under their ass in the first round. They're not going to you know, try to see each other out. They're not going to take their time with anything. They're just going to get right to it. So even though we only get 15 minutes and the other 10 minutes, I, I do agree that it would play to more of an advantage, I think, for Joanna to win if she had a five-round fight, mainly just because she's fought in, what, like, 10 fucking championship fights? Like, most 11. of her career yeah. in the UFC she's been in championship fights or, like, main event fights, five-round fights yeah. compared to three-round fights. I think I heard this week during media day this is only, like, her third in her career, third three-round fight. Like, yeah, that's fucking UFC. crazy. She's had yeah. 10 fucking 5 rounds, So... I feel like eh, I want to go with Joanna because I like her. And I always like going for the underdogs. So, like, my pick, I'll probably pick her. You know, but I do – technically, the gut leans more towards Wei Lee because of the layoff, the two-year layoff. Like, we even saw it a few weeks ago with Holly Holm. I think Holly won the fight. And I don't know what the fuck the judges saw in that fight. But she still did seem slow. She didn't seem the same after having the two-year layoff. And maybe that, you know, was part of the problem is why the judges, you know, had their heads up their asses. They just thought she was more boring as they went with Vieira in that fight. But Joanna, she definitely can't make any mistakes in this fight. And uh, she has to be extremely active. She's got to, you said she's got the puncher's chance. She's got to get the puncher's chance, in my opinion, to get this win. We'd have to see her get a finish. You know, like we saw Rose knock out, Waley, you know, so Joanna'd have to get a knockout or something. In my opinion, if it goes to decision, they're probably going to give it to Wei Li. Even if it's another close fight, she'd really have to do something. You know, that's the thing. Three rounds, is going to start right from the beginning. I agree with what Golf T said. It's going to be a hell of a barn burner fight. And I'm excited as fuck for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Joanna is that one person that you can never say she can't land that punch because she's always capable of landing that punch unless you knock her out the problem is she's definitely more threatening with quote-unquote that punch when she's on her feet she doesn't tend to do well from her back and she's not that great on the ground in general and Wiley is a bull, man. If she wants to put you on the fucking ground, there are very few people who have been able to stop her so far. Unless you that, can land that's a head where, kick those real clean, she takes them for the ride. That's where I
3: think her biggest weakness is going to show this weekend, even though I want to root for you, on You haven't, like like you said, and you said, you haven't even really trained in two years, let alone fucking fought. You've just been kind of screwing around and enjoying your life. Your takedown defense is probably going to be god-fucking-awful, and if Whaley wants to just go that route, you know, just wrestle it, you're fucked. Yeah, no shit. She's, she's got no ability, in my opinion, to uh, get back up or any of the above. You know, she, her takedown defense is going to be awful. So she better hope that Whaley wants to knock her out, just like right. in the first fight. She's got that same attitude. They just want to stand and trade. Hopefully we see that too, just for the fan aspect. It'll be more exciting. I don't want to see it go to the ground.
1: Right. And and in that vein that I fucking, I make a point to preach, and I will till I fucking die. Credit where credit is due, regardless of how you feel about the person. She has spent a lot of time, Wiley has, down at Fight Ready. And Henry Cejudo, for the douchebag that he is, And he is (laughs) much like Daniel Cormier, in my opinion, is a much better coach than he ever was a fighter. And he does know his shit from a coach's perspective. You can watch him coach and hear in what he's having them do, how he's responding and the way that he interacts with his fucking trainees He's much better, in my opinion, of a coach than he was a fighter, and he has got her dialed the fuck in tighter than a drum, and her wrestling is so fucking on point and smoothly integrated into her game. If she grabs you around the waist one time, she's going for the fucking ride. And if you want to get thrown one time, it can change the whole momentum real goddamn fast. Henry has got her fucking tuned up, in my opinion. But that is just the people's co event the appetizer, as it were, the potatoes part rotten, leading us into the actual meat and potatoes of this meat and potatoes portion on the meat and potatoes platter here. That is UFC 275, our co-main event, the first of two titles up for grabs on the Singapore soil Saturday evening, boys and girls. The Bullet is back in the octagon hunting for another ruby valentina shevchenko taking on challenger tyla santos for the ladies 125 strap all praise be to the mma gods the sacrifice has been aligned it shall be done i feel bad for tyla santos's family but I hope that her blood appeases the gods because it's going to, you know, Valentina is going to fuck that poor girl up. I I try and give everybody some semblance of the benefit of the doubt. I like the phrase, there's a puncher's chance. But when you're fighting the bullet and you're the likes of a Tyla Santos, I genuinely do not feel that there is a puncher's chance here. I feel that there is that one in a million something crazy happens. Maybe Valentina twists an ankle or in a throw, she lands weird or she gets caught off balance and Tyler is able to capitalize something crazy could always happen, but I don't feel like this is one of those situations where Tyla has some aspect of her game that she will even in a weird moment, be able to impose on Valentina that will put, Shevchenko in trouble. I I don't have anything against Tyler Santos. I genuinely don't. But at this point, it's going to be hard for someone to convince me that Valentina is not literally on her third lap around the entire fucking division. It's not that there aren't people capable of fighting for the belt in the women's 125 pound division. It's that Valentina is so fucking much better than all of them. None of them can make the fight competitive. This is why I was glad to see that Dana finally understands after Valentina slaughters this poor new fucking lamb that Dana brought up from Brazil, she needs a real Challenge because she's clearly getting bored beating the shit out of all these girls at 125 pounds. And Misha is not going to be a threat to her by any stretch of the imagination, even if she gets past Lauren Murphy. So when Saturday night comes around and Valentina massacres this poor Tyla Santos, I just hope that Pena and Nunez are both watching because it doesn't matter which one of them wins – Valentina's coming for that ass. She's about to be champ champ this year. I have faith.
0: Look, There's only one way to explain this fight, and that's Talia Santos. It's time for her to bite the bullet. (laughs) That's it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I feel like They can sell this fight a little bit just because of some of the names that Santos has beat. You know, she's beat Joanne Wood, Roxanne Montefiore, you know, Jillian Robertson. She beat some really tough girls. And she does only have the one loss. But it's it's like you guys said, she's just – it's like I'm feeling with Alexander Volkanovsky now, and we'll see it. Next month, whenever we get the trilogy with Max, we're going to see how great they really are. Like, that's what Valentina's going to do this Saturday. She's going to show us how great she really is. Like you said, she already lapped it. She can go out and murder this girl as good as this girl is. All the other girls that she's beat that are really tough. And she's going to get fucked. She's going to get... That's how I feel about it. I mean, we might, like you say, like we always say, You give them the credit. She has beat a lot of tough girls. She might get the puncher's chance. I at least hope, because Lauren Murphy made it a four-round fight. Before uh, Valentina got the finish last year, Lauren Murphy lasted four rounds. Maybe we see Talia Santos last a few rounds, so that it's a little interesting for us as fans, a little excited. But we know it's going to be a dominant fight. Like There's no question about it. I don't even think. Amanda Nunes. Hopefully, Amanda wins the title back, so that when Valentina goes up to challenge for the you know the next title, it's more interesting because Amanda's beat her twice. Let's get that trilogy fight. The chance for Valentina to get the one that she's never got before, right? Because Juliana Pena. Nobody wants to. She'll go and stop Juliana just the same as what she's going to do to Santos this week. So. I mean, I know that's what we all want to see. But then, what? what's the step after that if she beats Amanda Nunez? That's the other thing. She's just, she's definitely the pound for pound women's fighter. She's working her way to the greatest of all time, like everybody was saying about Amanda Nunez. But she still thinks she's one of the greatest of all time. She'll prove that again in a couple months by beating Pena, getting her belt back. Yeah. I just, I hope the fight's exciting. But I think, I think, Santos is going to get murdered. I think there's a good way to sell it because she's beating a lot of good naming. but i don't I don't see how anybody could be on santos's side or feel like right. she's got any chance to even last five rounds like even get the decision i don 't see she got the chance in that let's just let's last three. Give us right. three rounds before you get finished. <laughs>
1: it feels like the only people really rooting for Tyler Santos here are literally, like legitimately her friends and family, like her cornermen and her training partners. Like, there aren't any fighters that I've seen come out and really be like, Tyler Santos has got this, she's taking the belt. There are no media MMA journalists whatsoever who are like, this is Valentina's last reign as champion. Nobody, nobody (laughs) other than literally Santos's people are like, she's got this there's a reason for that man people aren't like oh man Godzilla's gonna get his ass kicked by the Tokyo military this week no no that's not how these things work and to add insult to injury I literally laughed out loud so why so yeah laughed so loudly When I saw this earlier that my wife came in to check on me, one of the UFC posts today from the official UFC Instagram talking about the upcoming card to get people hyped about it, the first clip that they show, I fucking wish I was making this up, is Valentina Shevchenko flipping over and submitting Juliana Pena with ease and standing up and just going, I mean, the fights between Amanda and Valentina were two of, in my opinion, the greatest ladies fucking fights in bantamweight history. I get that Ronda had huge, volumous fights crowd-wise. I mean, like, impact-wise, great fight-wise, fucking crazy battle-wise, Amanda and Valentina have fucking gone at it, so... If they go back at it again for that fucking champ champ status with Amanda holding 35 and 45 and Valentina holding 25 coming to take that 35 and steal the fucking middle ground, things could get real fucking interesting. But on the other hand, if Pena manages to do the unthinkable and keep that fucking (laughs) belt and stop Nunez a second time, Boy, you know damn well she's going to be real fucking nervous considering she is going to have had less trouble beating Nunez twice than she will have had beating uh, Valentina one time. So, things so
3: if that if that changed. scenario comes up, you see so Valentina goes and then beats Peña. Takes the 135 belt, so she got the 125 and 135. Well, Nunia still has the 145, and there's nobody else there. You see Valentina fucking putting some weight on, trying to go to 145, just fucking have three. Just take all of them.
1: <laughs> just I'm, go
3: get Nunia's because fucking Pena held on to the belt. So you got to go right. get Nunez in.
1: Chase her all the way up to 45. As just for like, oh, I got all the
3: championships. <laughs>
1: yeah. As much as I would love to see it, and realistically, if there's any lady in the UFC, in my opinion, 100% realistically has a possibility of being a three division champion, my money would undeniably go on Valentina. But realistically, considering her frame and considering the style that she fights. I don't know that she would be able to put enough bulk on to genuinely compete with Amanda at 45. At 35, we've seen they're fucking dangerously close. But Amanda's also more used to now fighting at 45 and cutting the extra to get to 35 when she has to, whereas Valentina's on the other side of that. She's cutting down to 25 on the regular and can cut less to 35 if she's got the opportunity to fight I think it would be fun. It would be real fun, but I I just don't think there's enough meat on that girl's bones to to hold up to go to 145, really. (laughs) It could be cool, but I just think she ain't framed right for it. (laughs) Oh, but that being said, that will bring us to... The filet mignon, that is the meat in the meat and potatoes of the meat and potatoes portion of the show. The marquee name that you came to talk about here, the reason for the season, UFC 275's Singaporean headliner, Glover Tajira versus Yuri Prohaska for the light heavyweight championship belt. One of, in my opinion, the craziest sentences that has been said about the 205 division in a long time. Glover Tejera versus Yuri Prohaska for the belt. Just saying that sentence out loud doesn't even feel real sometimes. Um But this is one of those situations that we – I don't want to – I don't want to say we told you so, but we informed you thusly on a multitude of occasions. Um, We've basically been telling you since before they matched Glover and Anthony Smith up that you better watch that old man. He's on a fucking run right now. He's really fucking serious. And he's also really fucking sharp. Nobody seemed to really pay too much attention to that warning. And we gave it, week after week after week after week you look you know laugh all you want about the old man's strength yeah you know the old man's still around for how long yeah it's funny ah ha, ha well that old man just kept winning and just kept winning and they kept laughing and going oh, he's, that old man's still at it look that old man still at it well that old man took out every single fucking person they put in front of him until that old man found his way looking down the barrel of the fucking belt. And he took it by force, undeniably. And it's genuinely hard to argue that that old man at almost 43 years old isn't genuinely looking better than anyone else, almost literally half his age in that whole goddamn division. They brought in a 30-something young pup to try and take the belt away from the old man. And you know what? I don't think he can fucking do it. I think Prohaska absolutely has some weapons in his arsenal. I absolutely, like I say, credit where credit is due. Prohaska has some interesting weapons in his arsenal. I will absolutely give him that. I don't think he's got the know-how to get past that crafty old bastard i think glover really is going to get those last two fucking wins on his way out and he has said he's got two win spots left on his walls of his house that's all he needs to fill and he can happily retire and Prohaska is about to be the next to last one to fill I don't think he's joking. I don't think he's making a light statement of it. I don't think he's trying to be egotistical. I think he's being 100% genuine. I think he has put in the time, the effort and blood, sweat and tears to guarantee that he is capable and competent enough to get two more solid wins in the UFC and then hang out, hang his hat and ride off into the fucking sunset. Prohaska definitely has some tools, but I think the old man's got something up his fucking sleeve that the kid ain't ready for this time. And as much as I think Prohaska might have a legitimate chance against a lot of dudes, I think the old man's got something planned. And I think we see and still, I think the old man keeps the fucking strap.
0: Dude, I'm right there with you. And with. You. Don't your own credit where credit is due. Yuri has come onto the scene in the UFC like a goddamn firecracker and decimating people that are put in front of him. Thus, And also, we have one of the greatest spinning back elbows you'll ever see in history because of him. But at the same time, the dude has no ground game. Not that anybody has seen because everything has stayed on his feet. Whereas you have a very crafty who's been in this game for 20 fucking years. And he seems to be, he's like a fucking fine wine. He's getting better with age. And that's a scary proposition at 43. Like, he's starting to remind me of like, fucking Randy Couture. Fucking getting up there in age and just getting better and better and better. Jury, you got a chance as long as it stays standing. But if it goes to the ground, I don't give a shit what they said in interviews. No amount of training is going to be ready for Glover's ground game. The first thing he started when he started MMA training was jiu-jitsu. And he was a wrestler before that. So the dude's got the fucking long-time credentials of doing all of that hard grinding work. And to be honest, I don't think there's anybody in the light heavyweight division that works as hard as he does at it because he has to. Diminishing returns as you age, that's how that fucking works. So you have to work twice as hard as these younger guys like Yuri. And that's no disrespect against Yuri because, like I said, he's probably one of the best signings the UFC has made in quite some time because he's really been an exciting fighter to watch and get some great highlights off of. And UFC still make a butt buttload of money off of him, especially with his crazy-ass top knock because nobody got that shit going on. Right. But yeah, there we go. I don't think in. he gets past him unless he knocks Glover share out in the first round. is gonna get him down to the ground, and I think he submits him in the second. Oh. Good luck, Gary. Well, that's all I can say. Good luck, because you're gonna need it, dude.
2: Why is this not working? Oh, that's why. I, I feel
3: thought. the same as you guys. I mean the experience is what's gonna be the difference. You know, Glover's got the ground game and all that. But then the 20 years experience, like as is, is talented as Fury he seems and the weapons that he's got, the knockouts that we've seen him put out, I don't I don't feel like he's had the same amount of experience yet. And, and we really haven't. I, I, I haven't seen his ground game at all. I've never seen him down on the ground. So if he gets to the ground, if Glover gets it to the ground, I feel like it's over. It's,
2: uh, yeah. and I, uh,
3: I just can't go with Yuri on it. The whole, I think it's going to be exciting as hell.
1: Right. It fucked up on me the first time, but I did get it fixed finally here. Uh, the tapology picks loaded here for Golfy he and I. We both got it. Shevchenko by KO in round two. Tajira by submission. I, I went round three because I think he's going to toy with him a little more he has got him for submission for round two, but we both pretty much see the fucking main and the co-main going the same fucking direction in about the same relative amount of time (laughs) coming down the fucking line here. So that being said. Uh, that is our talks for the UFC 275 here. Uh, as you did see, our topology picks are up. If you would like to join in the fun of topology picks, we are not in any way. Sponsored or endorsed by tapology.com. We do, however, take advantage of their free account service. You as well can go on, make yourself a free account, click on pick them groups. You can look for either Group 965 or I'm no bookie altogether. One word link is also down in the doobly doo. Follow the link tree link down there for all the goodies. Join the group, make some picks, go head to head. We will be in there this weekend. While the event main, uh, excuse me, while the main card of the event is live this weekend, I will have an update stream here on the channel as well with our lovely Eddie and the Arsons tunes from the Pilar Cheeks, the one and only blessing our ear holes with lovely musics, uh, along with the Tapology picks for all of our folks in the group in a live rotating image slideshow for you to keep up with. Lovely music to go in the background, Fight updates in real time to keep you occupied. What more could you really fucking want? That being said, any of the links you need, all of the socials, all of the goodies, the link tree and everybody's socials and all that shit are all down in the links. Thank you first and foremost to everyone, whether you are catching this live, you were catching it on the replay, or you're hearing this on the all audio format. We appreciate you just the same If you like what we are doing around here, make sure you are thumbs up, liking, and subscribing, and notifications turned on on whatever platinum you are picking this up on, whether you are catching us live Thursday nights, 930-ish Central Time on the I'm No Joe YouTube channel, youtube.com slash I'm No Joe, or you're catching this a week after the fact, anchor.f. I'm no Joe, picking it up through your podcast consumption platform of choice. Shout out to Apple Podcasts, who's been running the shit out of us since last couple of weeks. I don't know how or why, but hey, fucking A. Um, on the other side of things, though, if you would like to help do what we do around here, patreon.com slash I'm no Joe is the best way to do that for as little as $1 a month. You can help us do what we do. Get your name added to the thank you list at the end of the show, and you get access to behind the scenes, unaired and literally on. Terrible shit that I can't let the public see without keeping it behind the paywall. Helps us do what we do. Gives you interesting shit. Everybody fucking wins. Shout out to the Patreons. You guys are the MVPs. That being said, if you don't like what we get up to around here, first and foremost, why the fuck are you still here in a podcast this deep you didn't like? Fuck off. Give us a thumbs down and go away. We won't even dispute it. That being said, we're calling that all this particular episode so remember until next time boys and girls don't let ignorance stop you you can root for anything unless it's sensible gun laws in the united states apparently
2: How do
0: I say goodbye to what we have? The good time.